Hey everybody, Marshall here to talk about the journey into Patreon. This episode where Rish and I talk about Hercules appeared on the Patreon page back in July. And just a week ago, I added our latest episode of Outfield Excursions where we talk about The Legend of Hercules, a movie that came out the same year of 2014. It's really kind of interesting to watch and talk about these two movies back to back. If you'd like to check on and see the extra things that you can get over there, for only $1 a month, head on over to patreon.com slash journey into. It's that simple. Anyway, on to today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Outfield Excursions here on the Journey Into podcast. I'm here with Rish Outfield. Welcome, Rish. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me into your uh, your arena. <laughs> and I'm Brian Dunkelman. Oh, poor Brian Dunkelman. <laughs> you mentioned him on a podcast recently and how you pitied him. I did. Well, sort of, but just not the, the wrong place at the wrong time. Or the right place at the wrong time, something like that. But hey, we're not here to talk about American Idol. We're here to talk about some movies that we watched. And this is the first, I, I would call it the first successful poll that we've had on the Journey Into Patreon page. We had four different options for people to pick from. And we got four people voting. <laughs> so... Before, I think it was only one or two or maybe three. And one of those might have been you or me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Were you one of the four people that voted? I No, I, I chose not to vote in this one. Oh, well, so. I would say that the results might be kind of fair, except for I voted too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about the Hercules movies of 2014. There was two of them that came out. One just named Hercules, and then another movie called The Legend of Hercules. And yeah, it's just one of those things. Sometimes Hollywood has something in the zeitgeist, and different studios work on different projects that are pretty similar. I always think of the ants versus bugs life, but I think that was kind of on purpose. I think the Ants folks wanted to try to get ahead of Pixar on that. But then uh, then there was Armageddon and Final... What was it? <laughs> Armageddon and Deep Impact. Were the Deep summer. Impact, right. We had Dante's Peak and Volcano. Oh, that's right. One summer. Yeah. Uh, and I remember in summer of 96, it was going to be Independence Day and Mars Attacks, but... Warner's blinked on Mars Attacks and delayed that movie so it wasn't coming out the same summer. There was a movie called The Arrival with Charlie Sheen that did come out that summer that was an alien invasion movie. But yeah, every couple of years you'll get this. Sometimes I think it's it's like with Ants, where DreamWorks was saying, you know, let's get ours out first. Let's uh, Let's beat them to the punch. And then there are other times when, yeah, I think it's just coincidence. And 
these movies are far enough along that nobody wants to just put them away or, or cancel them or postpone them. And so you get to compare and contrast. If you're into that sort of thing, most people don't. I think they just choose one and the other is forgotten. I don't know if you remember in summer of 99, within a month we had two movies with very similar premises, uh, Stir of Echoes and The Sixth Sense, where the main character oh. was able to see ghosts, and they both came out that same summer, and nobody saw Stir of Echoes. Yeah, I've never heard of it, so <laughs> I was one of those people. It, it's it's quite good. Is it? It's based on a Richard Matheson story, but but it's not Sixth Sense, which is just great. So, yes, uh, 2014, summer of 2014, we had dueling Hercules movies, and uh, I didn't see either of them. I hadn't either until we decided to do it here for the podcast. Yeah, I, and I guess... saw that they were at the library, and of course they were both in the same section. They were in the H's, despite the other ones starting with L. <laughs> but uh, I just thought it would be fun. To watch the two of them and, and see what they have in common, see what is different. And for some reason, people liked that idea. They did. Yeah, I guess, I think you had suggested this, the Hercules versus Hercules, uh, pretty early on when we started doing this podcast. Um, but I put it up, I figured we'd go head to head, you know, have other selections where we could compare two movies that may be similar on Patreon, they had the choice for the Hercules fight that we're having today. Or they could have chosen The Innocence from 1961 versus The Turning from last year. And those are both based on the turn of the screw. Or they could have we could have done the Robin Hood versus Robin Hood, uh, one from 2010 and the other from 2018. And then for the last selection, they could have chosen... Stephen King's Cat's Eye came out in 90, 1985 versus another Stephen King adaptation, 1408, that came out in 2007. Cat's Eye versus 1408 got the only other vote than those that voted for Hercules. So, <laughs> Well, then just keep it in mind and maybe it'll show up in a poll in the future. Maybe, yeah. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the first of the two, which is simply called Hercules. This one uh, was released by Paramount and MGM jointly, uh, July 25th, 2014. And I don't know about you, but I don't get paid to do this show. <laughs> no. So I'm not going to be able to tell you the names of any of the characters. Uh, <laughs> that's what I, I was going to ask you to name... Hercules' fellow companions. <laughs> well, I want to, but I I did look it up just now so that I would have some kind of reference. I But I just hoped that you did that work and maybe made the notes because otherwise I will... Uh, at first I was like, oh, well, I can say, okay, Ian McShane says this and Rufus Sewell says this. But then there are a bunch of foreign actors that I don't know the names of. Oh, right. And so it doesn't work. <laughs> The only way to describe them is what they are, what they do. And unless you know their names, I guess that's how we will describe them to the audience. Well, and of course, 
spoilers uh, in case you want to see this movie. We'll spoil it from beginning to end. And we always try and warn people there. Yes, yes. Please, if you don't want to be spoiled, watch the movies before you listen to this. Um, and hopefully those, that, at least the, the Patreon members that voted for this will know that these are the movies we're going to be talking about. So they, they had the jump start to, to watch these movies. I think maybe there's a scene in the movie where Hercules introduces each of his companions. So I'll, I'll let Hercules do the honor and then we can, uh, can just refer to them as the magician or the knife guy or the tomahawk guy or the Amazonian archer. An honor to host such a legend. Lord Codus. But in legend, you fight alone. My reputation would not exist without my comrades. Autolycus of Sparta. Tydeus of Thebes. Atalanta of Scythia. Ilias of Athens. And Amphiaris of Argos. Uh, I'm not sure that that clip helped. Uh, this is audio, and he was introducing people, but the listeners at home couldn't see any of the people he was introducing. That's true. So we'll we'll have to dance around that. Uh, but let me start, if that's okay, go for it, by saying that there was a brilliant conceit to this movie uh, at the very very beginning. Well, not the very beginning, but within the first six or seven minutes. After we're told of how magnificent Hercules is and he, that he has these great acts that he's done that make him famous and that his father was Zeus and he was born of a human woman, they reveal that this is all invented. That Hercules has these followers, this group, who go with him wherever he goes and they help him in these labors but they are all there to make him appear to be this powerful, unstoppable demigod. Yeah. And to me, that was remarkable. That was really neat. And it sort of shows you at the very beginning that he is human instead of setting you up for believing that, you know, that he is this superhero. I, I mean, he certainly looks like a superhero. He's played by <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, at, at, like bigger than I ever remember him see, being. Yeah, yeah, I think he probably bulked up extra special for this one <laughs> to play Hercules. And yet he's not really unstoppable. He's not really superhuman. Uh, they show us that early, early on in a very clever way where Hercules is intimidating a bunch of enemies uh, with his prowess. And we see these, this group that they all have a part to play to make him appear to be a God. Like one, for example, that one of the men has these throwing knives and there's a point where Hercules punches a guy and the assassin throws his throwing knife into this guy. So it appears that Hercules punched him to death with a <laughs> single blow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's also an archer 
who has climbed up somewhere high and she is able to uh, make it that anybody who attacks Hercules is killed because he's he's got a magical uh, like armor and, and, and a weapon that, that, that can't be beaten and these things. And just, you know, anybody who tries to kill Hercules will die because of his, his gifts from Zeus. Anyhow, I just, I had to get that out of the way at the very beginning because it's the thing that I found the most special about this movie. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Hercules movies, but, but I've seen a couple and them just saying, okay, he is just a man right here at the beginning helped. Right. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't hide this either. They let us know right in the opening scene that this was all a ruse. I mean, they do several times throughout the movie, you know, make you wonder, is he more than just a man? I mean, yes, he can bleed. Yes, he can get hurt. He has these companions that help him, but he does some pretty mighty feats throughout this movie that, and that they kind of leave it a little bit open, but pretty much tell you, you know, no, these are all just stories. His, his nephew is a young, young man is part of this troupe and he's kind of taken the role of the storyteller. So he tells the, he tells the tales of Hercules and builds him up and talks about all of these things that he has done and the feats that he has performed. Rufus Sewell, at one point, he's even like, hey, you need to make it bigger. You need to build it up even more to uh, to make these people fear Hercules. And yeah, I thought I thought that was a lot of fun. And they, they seem to have a lot of fun together. You know, you could tell they've been together for a long time and, and knew each other and enjoyed being together. Yeah, they develop this group quite well. And so it seems like a team. And I don't know about you, but did it feel like a superhero team to you? Yeah, kind like of. Like we were yeah. watching the the ancient Greek version of the Avengers or the Justice League. That's, yeah. that's how I felt while I was watching the movie. And uh, I'm, I would not be surprised if that was Brett Ratner, who was the director's intention. Yeah, and I, I couldn't help but compare it with Thor. You know, and Thor has the Warriors Three and the Lady Sif and several people on Asgard that, um, you know, fight alongside him many times. And I, I couldn't help but, but compare that um, here with Hercules, even though Hercules isn't as amazing or godlike as Thor is in the Marvel movies. I feel like we get to know Hercules's band of of followers better than we do the ones in the Thor movies. We do. Uh, yeah. And, and that's always too bad when they they were dispatched in the third Thor movie, the way that they were, that was disappointing uh, because they were all good actors and they're all really colorful, fun characters in the comics. And yeah, I don't think Sif is even in that third movie. No. Let's see. So he's got sort of his right hand man and advisor is do I dare even try? <laughs> Amphiara, Am, Amphiaras, help me. Yeah, how, how Amphiaras probably. Okay, and he's played by Ian McShane, and he is a seer, an actual prophet, who the gods speak to, but they often speak to in vague terms. They give him warnings and they give him visions. I guess that has kept them alive. 
yeah. multiple times. So, so it does establish early on that there is magic in this world and that potentially there are gods. Yeah, we just don't see them. <laughs> we don't. And then the third in command, I guess, uh, of his little group is is Rufus Sewell. I'm going to say Autolycus, Autolycus. Autolycus, probably, yeah. And I, I was just like, uh-oh, you guys cast Rufus Sewell in this part. <laughs> All right, I guess we can tell what's coming. But I was I was surprised and pleasantly surprised. He's the cynic in the group. He's the the most mercenary of this group of mercenaries. He's the one that's always saying, you know, this is where we need to go because there's money there. Wait, wait, why would we do this thing? What's the logic in this? He's the naysayer among the group. The one that reminds us that these are not heroes. These are people that are out to make a living. Right. How much gold uh, and, and was, are we going to get? Right. It was good casting because Rufus Sewell is incapable of ever playing a good guy. <laughs> and so he's he's the morally ambiguous member of their group. And and yes, there you, you mentioned that there was an Amazon warrior and her name was Atalanta. It was a stuttering Atlanta, <laughs> and she was played by a, was it a Swedish actress? I believe so, yeah. Ingrid Boisot-Berdal, perhaps? That's how you pronounce uh, it? Yes, uh, Boisot-Berdal, and it's the O with the line through it. She's from Norway, and by, but she could do fun things with the bow and arrow, and I don't know if it was a thankless part or not. I just, you know, she was the one, the token female in the group. The Hawkeye. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there was this guy, uh, a Tidius, and he is a savage. He is a barbarian, and he had been rescued by Hercules' group. Wow, boy, what was it? There was like a slaughter, and he was the only survivor, and he he's more animal than man. He doesn't speak... He has scars all over. Yeah, he's, he's, his face is really, really messed up. And he's just this savage berserker fighter. Um, but he's super loyal and he's, you know, strong, silent type. I I don't know. This guy didn't have a lot to do, but I, I liked him. I, also, you know, because he had scars all over his face, wounds or whatever, it, he stood out from all the other characters. Uh, and then, yes, what was it? Iolus? Iolus, yeah, is Hercules's nephew, and I, I, I'm assuming he was supposed to be like a teenager, uh, compared to The Rock, compared to Dwayne Johnson, he did <laughs> seem like a little guy. He did, yeah. But I'm sure in real life he isn't, and Hercules was very protective of him. You know, you always have to hide. You have to be where it's safe. You are there as the storyteller. You are not a warrior. And I thought that that was nice, too, that this guy had to have an arc. And then, you know, it also showed that Hercules cared about somebody, which yeah. I thought was neat. We learn that uh, the family is very important to him. And uh, as as we go, we see little glimpses of his past where he had a wife and he had children, but they'd been killed. And so Iolus may be the only family he has left. And so he's, he is very protective of him. I don't know. I, I really thought the pacing and the, I guess, the progression of the movie, and they gave you a little bit of his backstory, and then he got a little bit more and a little bit more as it went on. But most all the time, there was 
some action going on. Um, you know, the, the beginning scene was an action scene. Not too long down the road, they end up going to this, the land of Thrace, which is in a, in a war, civil war, and they've been recruited to come help them fight against their enemy. And, you know, there's, there's one battle and we learn more about what's going on and learn more about the uh, Thracians and kind of the, the king played by John Hurt and his daughter played by uh, Rebecca Ferguson and kind of the, the general of his army and those kinds of things and their allies and their, they're going against um, this enemy and they're trying to train the army. You know, it, it just goes from this battle and then there's some development and they go to another battle and then there's a third battle and then the ending, you know, there's, there's all these little set pieces that we get to along the way. And I just thought they, that was a brilliant way to, to do this. It keeps you engaged. It keeps the action going, but you learn who these characters are along the way. And there wasn't really, maybe one part where I saw some, what I thought was maybe not the best acting, but generally all these actors did a great job and really sold the characters and the world and the events of what was going on. Yeah. I feel like they, they gave Dwayne Johnson some areas in which to stretch in this. And there were times when I couldn't tell if he was trying to do an English accent or if it was just, you know, the language that he's delivering. Pretty much everybody around him has an accent, whether it is English or some kind of foreign accent, you know, for the the soldiers and and you you know, you get John Hurt's really Shakespearean English <laughs> accent. Yeah. Uh, uh we see Joseph Fiennes early on. Right. He is the is he the king of Greece? I think so, yeah. And he's got like long Goldilocks type hair. He's made to look so effeminate. And I was just like, you guys did this on purpose so that the rock would look all the more masculine, but I don't (laughs) understand why. And then of course, at the end of the movie, I understood why, but they, they also have a couple of flashbacks to the death of Hercules's wife and children one of the flashbacks is like really, really short and it's just like blood spattering against a wall. But we find out that Hercules supposedly went mad and murdered his own family. That's the story. That's the story, yeah. And that's haunted him. And so he's kind of a man without a country. He's a a mercenary that just goes from place to place fighting for money. And he doesn't have any allegiance except for to his group. And this haunts him. This follows him wherever he goes. And I liked that. There, there, was, there were a couple of moments. Specifically, oh, so he, Rebecca Ferguson is the beautiful d- daughter of or Lord Cotis. And she's got a child, a son, who has heard of the stories of Hercules and just idolizes Hercules and rushes out and wants to talk to him and wants to believe that he's all these great things. And I really liked those scenes because you can see the hurt in Hercules's eyes. Now, if I had made the movie, it would have been way, way bigger than that. But (laughs) when you've got somebody like Dwayne Johnson 
you don't want to alienate his fan base that never want to see any weakness in this guy. But you can see that he's damaged on the inside. And when he sees this child, it, it just reminds him of what he has lost. And that I really, really responded to. Yeah, me too. And she, Eugenia, let's say, she's the princess, we can call her. She is really instrumental in getting Hercules to fight on their side for her father. But then, of course, she also says you'll be paid your weight in gold. Right. Twice his weight. Twice his weight? Okay. They start out with just his weight in gold, and then he said, no, I got him to double their offer. So he goes to Thrace, and they've got some soldiers, including this general, who just seems to be a piece of crap from the very beginning. And I I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that was a misstep in the movie. But he had a chip on his shoulder from the first time we see him. Yeah. But everybody else is welcoming of, of Hercules and willing to say, hey, this is our army. Why don't you train them? You know, what? what is it that you need? Whatever you need, we will give you. And John Hurt's King character is very generous and appreciative that Hercules would come and do all this stuff. It, it They tell us of the cruelty and inhumanity of their enemies. And so, you know, immediately we're on their side. We want Hercules to help protect Thrace from its enemies. And that was clever, too. Yeah, the uh, person who they're fighting against, who's who's causing this trouble in their kingdom, is uh, Rhesus, is his name. And I've never seen the actor before either, uh, Tobias uh, Santelman. Uh, but I thought even he had quite the presence on the show. There, there's a, a point where they they finally meet up with Rhesus on the battlefield, and this is after... Hercules and his team have fully trained the army of Thrace and they come and kind of do the parley or parlay thing where, uh, you know, the leaders come together and, and say, do you really want this fight? They, they outnumbered them three to one. Um, Reese's army outnumbered them. And he says, you know, we don't have to fight, but they choose to fight. And, you know, just, you see Hercules being very indignant and because, you know, he's they've seen all these towns and villages that have been slaughtered. And so, you know, he's he's like, no, we're we're here to shut you down kind of thing. And even in that scene, I thought that yeah, Rhesus had a really big presence in there. And, and you know, their their army did look formidable. But here again, the legend had been that they were led by centaurs, you know, half man, half horse. And we come to learn during this fight scene that, no, they they just, they're on horseback. They're not centaurs. So again, just kind of taking down the the mystical and, and Hercules isn't a demigod necessarily. And, you know, we don't have them fighting centaurs and things like that, but this seems like it's the main event, this final battle between uh, Thrace and the forces of Rhesus. I thought all the, the fighting and the, the war scenes were done extremely well. Uh, the strategies that they used and the fighting tactics, 
Of course, Hercules and his band would always be out taking th- taking people out, but it didn't seem unbelievable how they were doing it. Um, and there's this really cool scene where they finally turned the forces of Rhesus away, and then Rhesus decides to to cut off the head of the serpent kind of thing, and he's riding, he's going to go against Hercules, and he's bearing down on him with the, with his horse, and Hercules is just standing there, and he ducks down, avoids the sword, and picks up the horse, and <laughs> throws the horse upside down, and knocks Rhesus off of the horse, and he's just kind of laying there stunned. And I thought that was really cool, really clever. I wasn't expecting anything like that. Yeah, the the action scenes were all very, very well done, well choreographed, well shot. And you need both of those things because you can have great fight choreography, but if you have the shaky cam or if you have too much editing or somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, it's just chaos. And it's And chaos doesn't have a place in fights like these because you start to to not know who's fighting who and once that happens you have to emotionally check out right and they they never did that and then also the special effects there's so much cg in this movie and yet it was all really really well done cg you didn't get a moment a a you know scorpion king in the mummy returns moment that takes you out of the film and uh, I, I thought that that was really, really well done, too. That that shot you described with him just tipping the horse over, it was totally convincing. It didn't look like, oh, okay, that's the moment when the horse ceases to be real. Yeah. Yeah, the, there was one scene at the, at the very beginning of the movie that I thought, oh, no, the CGI in this is going to be pretty bad. And it's when Hercules is just a barely born infant. And there's a statue. Oh, of, the snakes. Yeah, there's a statue of Hera over him. And, and supposedly, you know, Hera was jealous of uh, the mother of Hercules and wanted Hercules to die. And out of the eyes of the statue, they the rocks start to crumble and, and two snakes come out of the eyes and go down and, and to go kill Hercules. And of course, Hercules, you know, just picks him up and kills him. Um, off off scene and then the mother turns around and sees the snakes and that CGI was a little bit off and not that great I thought oh no this this isn't going to be very good but I I really think that was the only scene that I noticed any uh, bad CGI in the movie yeah it's too bad on something like that Uh, and maybe that's why the CG looks phony is we know what snakes look like yeah. And you could have easily just used two snakes coming out of a statue's eyes, but instead, yeah, they're fully CG. Uh, yeah, I, you're right. I did notice them being phony at the beginning, but they were going after a baby and so I assumed, oh, okay, well, you couldn't couldn't use real snakes in this moment. Right. <laughs> but everything we've been led to believe uh, seems to get turned around on us after Rhesus is captured and brought back to Thrace. And he even talks to Hercules on the way, you know, when they're leaving the battlefield. And he says, you don't understand what's going on here. And Hercules says, all I know is I've stopped you from murdering villages. And, and Rhesus says, 
I have killed no one. I have not destroyed any villages. And then Hercules is like, well, then who did? Things get turned around where we start to realize that Lord Codus is the aggressor and that he um, is trying to maintain his kingdom and was killing villagers and, and whatever to help win Hercules over to his side or to, to help him destroy um, this resistance movement against him. And, you know, Hercules has come to be fond of Rebecca Ferguson's character and her son. And, you know, there's a point where he talks to her. Codis is responsible for this war, isn't he? You lie very well. Clearly your father's daughter. I didn't do it for my father. I did it for my son. If I disobeyed Cotis or resisted in any way, Arius would be executed. I did what any mother would. I protected my child. My husband was king. And Cotis poisoned him to take his place. Rhesus fought back. Civil war broke out. Arius is the legitimate king. My father is old. He will not live forever. And once he is gone, my son will be a good king. So she's, you know, kind of bought into this. And, you know, she was kind of in a bad spot anyway. Because Lord Codus murdered her husband. Who right. Was the king yeah. and took his place. And I think the threat, whether it's explicit or implicit, is that her son will be next if she doesn't fall into line. Right. So... They are given their reward. They are given, you know, tons of gold and, and told to, uh, I don't even know what they're told. Just get, get, keep their mouths shut, I guess. Well, he, he asks, uh, Lord Codus asks Hercules to join him and uh, become part of his kingdom and help, you know, lead his army to, to, on to, to more and more victories. Uh, but Hercules, knowing what he knows says, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, well then, take your gold and off with you, kind of thing. And so they, they take their gold and they're going to leave. But Hercules has decided that he's not going to leave. He can't, you know, leave this kingdom and these people under this brutal control or whatever. So he's going to stay and, and do his best to take down Lord Codus. And most everybody... Is going to stay and help him, <laughs> except except for Rufus Sewell. Of course, <laughs> because he's Rufus Sewell, and he's just like you guys are dumb. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's basically just Han Solo. Uh, you know, in the Battle of Yavin. <laughs> it was very similar to me in that moment, and but I thought Hercules was very gracious to him, you know, and he says, "I, I wish you well, live like a king," kind of thing. He he didn't hold it against him. But he wished his friend on his way. And then he goes and, and uh, he gets captured. They, you know, they're kind of all taken. They, they try to go in and rescue the prisoners and things like that. But they, they do get captured. And Hercules gets uh, chained to this huge pillar. And everybody else is, you know, put in, in prison. But they're all in the same place. Then we learn that... Not only is Lord Codus a bad guy, but he's in league with Joseph Fiennes, the king of Greece or whatever. They're working together. 
we discover that Joseph Fiennes was jealous of Hercules. When the people called out your name louder than mine, you see, when they saw you as a god, how long before they saw you as their king? I wanted nothing! Precisely your sin, Hercules, was that you had no ambition! I can deal with an ambitious man, he can be bought, but a man who wants nothing has no price. Killing you would have turned Athens against me. So he had to destroy his reputation. Right. And so uh, he drugged Hercules and sent these wolves to kill his children and his wife and did destroy his, his reputation. Yeah, and earlier there was a scene where Hercules had this vision of Cerberus, the three-headed wolf. And apparently he, it was hallucinations that had been plaguing him for all this time. Whether it, when you die, you're going to go to Hades and see Cerberus, or whether, I, I, I'm not really sure what it represented, but it was something that had really plagued him. And it was related to him murdering his family. Right. And so, yeah, it's revealed at the end of the movie that there were three giant wolves, like, <laughs> I don't know, the, the size of, like, steers that were the king of Greece's private pets or something like that, that just ate Hercules' family. And then he's going to release these wolves to eat Hercules, who is chained up, right? Right. And they all leave... The, the prison area to let Hercules be killed and destroyed and eaten by the wolves. That's right. At one point, Joseph Fine says, no, we'll just leave him alone and assume everything goes to plan. <laughs> yeah. But they are able to look in, I guess. And I don't remember if it was when they were in, in the prison or after they had left, but Ian McShane's character, the the prophet. Oh, we haven't talked about all that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he starts talking to him from the prison cell or whatever and saying, Who are you? Are you just a, a man or are you Hercules, son of Zeus? You know, don't let these chains hold you back. You know, take your place. Who are you? And, you know, keeps going in on this. And, and Hercules, you know, he's straining against the the restraints and... Eventually, as these wolves are approaching him to, to tear him apart, he breaks free of the chains, takes the bolts and the stands that they're tied to, you know, out, pulls it out of the ground and, and, you know, hits the wolves with it and, and starts to fight these wolves. And I guess before all that, you know, when he was being taunted uh, by the king of Greece and learning about his family being killed by him, He's straining against the restraints and just in, in emotional pain and agony, learning all these things. And that was the only point where I thought Dwayne Johnson's kind of either overselling this or not selling it enough or something. His emotions were seemed a little bit forced in that sense. But it was only for a, for a minute. Other than that, I like I was saying earlier, I, th I thought all of the acting was, was really good. But yes, eventually he is able to kill all of the wolves. He does get some help. Rebecca Ferguson escapes from the prison and starts letting people out. And, and uh, you know, they start throwing knives and, and shooting arrows and things to help him fight the wolves. But he pretty much takes them on by himself and kills them all. 
And then he goes after Joseph Fiennes. And <laughs> I thought that was a really neat, you know, to see him change and just try to weasel his way back and say, oh, no, 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 see, I did this for your good or whatever. Um, I thought that was really fun to, to watch him get his revenge. Those scenes almost never work for me in movies where it's just like, <laughs> I always liked you, Hercules. <laughs> surely we can figure something out that kind of thing i don't know I, I, maybe it's just you see these weaselly characters and it's never gonna work but maybe that's uh intentional so that we want them to get their comeuppance all the more yeah yeah so yes hercules kills the king and then the general who has this like bone whip kind of weapon right steps out and he you know, he hits Hercules with it and it looks like he's going to kill Hercules. And then the nephew saves the day. The nephew who has always been told you can't fight. You, you need to stay behind with the royalty and with the women. Uh, he saves Hercules there. Yeah. Just sticks him with a sword through his back and kills him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, saves the day. And then, but of course, then they have this trained army that they have trained and, you know, made one of the best armies in the land or whatever. And now they have to go up against this whole army. And this is where uh, John Hurt really starts to dig in to this role and uh, start to eat the scenery up. they're going against the army they're not doing too well and they get pushed up onto this you know that there's a palace and this big huge statue of Hera and and they start knocking over the the flame the flaming torches that are part of this huge staircase and you know throws oil and flames down on the army and holds them at bay but John Hurt keeps you know, saying, get through there, get through the fire and kill them. And, you know, it's looking pretty grim. But then Hercules gets underneath this statue and just, you know, again, he's exerting all the strength that he has and he lifts up. Well, he doesn't lift it up, but he is able to push over the statue and which falls down and the, the whole temple starts to fall down and, you know, takes out the army guards and eventually... I think the head of the statue takes out Lord Codus. And so he's dead. And then after that happens, the army pretty much realizes, you know, that Hercules is in the right and they kneel before Hercules or whatever, or at least pledge their support to him at that point. And that's, that's pretty much the, the end of the movie. But again, it just really goes together really well. I was surprised that this didn't do better. I would have expected there they would have been pushing for a sequel. I don't know what it made in money. It got a 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't very high. And I don't know if it's... At this time, there was nothing, you know, Brett Ratner's kind of fallen from grace, you know, due to allegations against him you know sexual harassment and all that kind of stuff but i don't think that had happened at this point so i don't think it was any kind of a pushback on brett ratner or anything but uh i don't know i i would have expected this to do better 
with critics and with audiences. Yeah, it it cost about a hundred million, and it made seventy two point six eight here in America. Worldwide, it made two hundred and forty four million. Okay, so that's that's not bad, but I think that they expected it to do a lot better. Uh, it was twenty fourteen, and it did worse than Scorpion King did a decade before that. <laughs> wow. Okay. I don't have an answer, except for I didn't go to it, and nobody I know went to it. This was the second of the two Hercules movies in 2014, and so maybe people were burned out. Uh, maybe people accidentally went to the first one. But I I came into the movie, and this is something that I texted you, I came into the movie expecting not to like it because it looked dumb. The ad campaign was all about, you know, Dwayne Johnson's muscles and then, you know, CG and fighting. And it's like, you know, if you've seen Gladiator, <laughs> then you want to see Hercules because it's a bloodless version of that. But as I watched the movie, I enjoyed it more and more. Uh, I feel like there were some missteps at the end of the movie that made it less than great. And I don't know if we even have time to talk about that, but I just, I, I found the movie very fun. And I thought Johnson did a, a fine job. The cinematography was really, really good. There's moments where I guess it's in a sound stage, but you wouldn't really know it. It's supposed to be outside. And there are moments when I don't know if there's 5,000 extras or if they're all CG. Yeah. Did a l much better than Dracula Untold <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. Um, it's a good-looking movie, and it's it's paced, like you said, very, very well. It's got a good script, and I enjoyed it. I expected, because it's Rufus Sewell, I expected a betrayal, and when that didn't come, I was pleasantly surprised. But then what I expected was going to happen was that he... Had was going to go to the army and bribe them with the reward money that he had, oh, right. so that they would join forces with with Hercules and all that. Because there was no reason for the army to turn against Hercules. He had fought by their side. He was the one that trained them, that turned them into this unstoppable fighting force. And they showed how bad they were at the very beginning. Yeah, they were like farmers and stuff. And and then for them to and like you said, they rain down fire, uh, like a big line of fire to protect these guys. And the king just says, run through it. And so they're like, all right. And these guys just run through the fire. And I, 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 I wanted there to be a little bit more thought there because these people had died at his side or, or put their lives in his hands. And then they just mindlessly turn against him. Uh, there was one soldier that they showed it a number of times, and then he's the first one to kneel at the end, you know, to kneel to Hercules. And a part of me just wanted the boy to come out and say, I am your true king, not my grandfather. I am next in line on the throne. And I tell you that, you know, to to change sides, and maybe we would see that this kid has the potential to be a great king, but... But we didn't really get any of that. He was just uh, in danger. Yeah, we didn't see the boy after Lord Kodos had tried to kill him. And then that's when the Rufus Sewell came back 
and you know did his Han Solo tread trick and he he uh, killed the person who was holding the boy and the boy was able to escape. Yeah, good point. There, that's right. He he shows up at the very last moment to protect the boy. Yeah, which is nice. I just I I felt like I wanted a little bit more there at the end instead of just CG and fighting. I wanted them to have won over the crowd instead of just, you know, the, the, the statue of Hera rolling and, and falling on the king <laughs> and him going, ah, when, you know, nobody could survive being hit by a 40 foot statue. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just, it was too silly, I thought. And then, it, yeah, the movie just ends, but I, it, well, it ends with, you know, the, the stories are going to continue to be told of of this demigod Hercules, but I didn't get the impression that this was to be the first installment in a series. You know that Hercules had many more trials to overcome before the end. You know, or it just it just ends, and I I don't know. I, I every movie is supposed to be the start of a franchise now, right? Every Deadpool <laughs> movie, right. And you see like this really fun end credit sequence with, you know, all of the the characters getting their little moment with animation like they do in the Marvel movies. Yeah. At the end. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And it just, yeah, it felt like one of those superhero kind of things. It did. And, and actually, I, I learned, well, in that when they started the title sequence at the end, it did say based on radical comics... Hercules. And I thought, wow, I'd never heard of that. I didn't realize this was based on a comic book. And I, you know, I, I don't know the comic book well, but I just looked up, you know, on Wikipedia and yeah, that this was one of the, they had several different independent comics, I guess. And Hercules was the one that they promote the, the most heavy and they were involved there. They also became a production studio and were, you know, helped get this movie in the right place. Uh, to be produced, I guess. I don't know if they were approached or somebody, or they approached other people to get their comic made. Uh, but there was two limited series of Hercules. There was the Thracian Wars, which I guess this movie was based off. And then there was uh, the Knives of Cush, was another series that the comics had. And... You know, I probably won't go search out these comics. I think I, I've seen, you know, what I needed to with the movie. But that's kind of cool that somebody saw this different... And it's definitely a different take, like you said at the beginning of Hercules, where he's not the demigod, that he's just a really strong guy with these companions that, that help him. And they're, they're mercenaries, you know. It's kind of a different take and, and done pretty well. I, overall, I liked it, and I wonder if there's like a longer cut out there. I could feel the PG-13 a few times. Could you feel that when <laughs> they cut away a little too quickly or, you know, somebody would die in an R-rated manner, but there was no blood? Yeah, my, my guess would be his family getting killed might have been a little more bloody. They threw blood around the room, but and there probably definitely would have been more nudity and, and stuff like that in the movie. Well, I, I think we've actually uh, talked a lot longer about Hercules than I thought we would. Our intention was to try to do both of these movies in one episode. But uh, 
I'm thinking, looking at the length of what we've said here, maybe we should split this into two episodes. What do you think? Well, yeah, who knows how long uh, the next one will take. <laughs> and the longer an episode is, the more one of us has to edit it. So, yes. Yeah, let's let's just cut this uh, short-ish. And uh, so what's the next movie? Uh, the Legend of Hercules, also in 2014. Okay. The Good One, the I'm good. hoping. That's right. It will defy the critics. Okay, well, hey, thanks for listening all the way through the end of the episode. If uh, you would like to support us and this show and our, our Star Wars show, they're aware of the Delusions of Grandeur podcast, right? They should be. <laughs> well, yes. they can go over to uh, patreon.com forward slash journey into. Is that right? Or is it journey into podcast? No, just journey into on the Patreon. And you can support the show uh support marshall and i think you can go as little as a dollar a month yeah is that right that's right that is such a good deal and it would help us make more episodes and uh just justify the editing time and uh the watching of bad movies and if you can't do that if if a dollar a month is is beyond you or it just you know you hate us. You can always let us know in comments. You can give a, a good review over on iTunes or somewhere like Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Or you can talk to us over on Facebook. Just say that you like the show or say, hey, you guys need to see so-and-so movie. Uh, it, it's fun to know that there are people that like to hear us talk. Definitely. We'd love to hear from you. So, we're not done talking about Hercules. You've heard what we thought about this movie, and there's more to come. So, have a good time till we meet again, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Good night. Good night. We don't podcast alone. This podcast reputation would not exist without the Creative Commons license. May I present my comrades attribution from You Have to Tell Others Who Made This Audio, non-commercial from You Cannot Sell the Audio from This Podcast, no derivatives from You Cannot Alter the Audio from This Podcast Without Permission and mucus of phlegm. We can't forget about him. I feel like every generation has kind of had their Hercules when I was 12, you know, I had my Hercules even younger than that. And I think there's there hasn't been a Hercules since then that's kind of for today's youth, you know, for 12 year old kids today to have their Hercules, and who better than Dwayne Johnson? You know, we, we, we give hints of the labors, as you saw in the trailer. We, we, we kind of kind of explain that, because every, every story, there's a seed of truth in it, but and then we go into our own kind of interpretation of what the reality is of the legend, and not just focus on the, the mythology of it, and which I think why this movie was worthy of getting made, because it's not something that we'd seen before. 
Hercules. 